I got my, my hype man right here. I love you, brother. <laughs> my buddy. <laughs> Some of y'all should learn. <laughs> uh, let me pray before we start. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've already done by the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. Help me preach this message clearly. Help our hearts to be open to the word and what the scriptures say. And Lord, I pray that you would silence any old ideas for the sake of hearing what the scriptures teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I begin, that's my main thing, is just to ask you to listen to what the Holy Spirit says today. <clears throat> I promise, it's all out of this book. The topic of today is one baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And for whatever reason, it's become a topic of great conflict, confusion, among Christians and churches really since the day of Pentecost, which was the birth of the early church. I'll open with a story. When we, Kelly and I, were called to plant in 2012, we came down here, and one of the things they told me is before planting the church, reach out to local pastors in the area and begin to have a relationship with them. And so I did that. I, I reached out to some local pastors, uh, had some conversations with them. My first stop actually was at the Catholic church in Mint Hill. And uh, I said, well, might as well pop in here. I walked in there and, and uh, he had a bulldog in his office. <laughs> bring your pet to, I said, as you bring your pet to office, they well, no, I bring him every day. But anyway, reached out to many denominational leaders and, and pastors in the area. And the reason why we planted Mint Hill Community Church is because God called us, and secondly, because as we began to study, there was no Pentecostal church in the town of Mint Hill. So, well, okay. Sim similarly, why we planted a campus in Locust. So as we built this church, I began to meet with these pastors, and I met a pastor, his name was Lee, and he was basically the pastor of Mint Hill. He had been at the Baptist church for over 30 years and had been serving the Lord faithfully. And, and he was my first real contact that, that really reached out to me and welcomed me, which by the way, it was surprising to me as a young preacher because I felt like it would be, you know, why are you coming into our neighborhood? We got all the churches we can handle. But invited me to join with him in breakfast and we had a Baptist, two Baptist pastors and a Methodist pastor. And at that time, there was a Presbyterian pastor. And then we had some Pentecostals. One was a Russian congregation. One was a Pentecostal holiness church and then myself. And we got together and we ate breakfast and we just talked about the things of God and the things we had in common. And this Baptist pastor said, hey, what about Bible study? You guys want to get together and just unpack the scriptures together? I'm like, man, yeah, I'm all for that. That'd be great. 
And so we ended up going to one of these churches and hosting a Bible study, and, and there was an email chain that was going around, and come and be ready to discuss Scripture, Acts chapter 2. So I called my two Pentecostal pastor friends and said, hey, y'all going to be there, right? Because I'm just coming out of kids' ministry, you know, I might need a little help. <laughs> yeah. but, but the topic was chosen by this Baptist brother. And so as we began to unpack the Scriptures, we found that as we're sitting around the table, all of us believed that the Holy Spirit was active and moving in today's church. But not all of our churches were operating the way that we as pastors believed. You get what you preach. And so I even pulled my newly acquired Baptist friend aside, and, and I say this to help you understand what we're talking about today. And I said, you know, I... We preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, we, we preach along with that tongues and all these gifts and different kinds of things. And, and from what I understand, you, you believe all of that is biblical. It's scriptural. You're not a cessationist, which means that all of those things stopped in the book of Acts at the end. It's not for the church today. And so he said, of course. He said, I just preach more towards water baptism and salvation than into those gifts of the Spirit and baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, okay. And so the difference isn't whether or not we both accepted it, which by the way, when you leave the United States of America, this is not an issue of conflict. The Baptist missionary, Lutheran missionary, Methodist missionary, Assemblies of God missionary, Pentecostal holiness, all the missionaries are meeting together. They're, they're serving together because the Holy Spirit is active and moving because when you go to a nation where there's literally spiritual warfare, not in the shadows, but on the street corners, you realize that you need the Holy Spirit to fight that battle. And which, by the way, I think it was just a few years ago that the Southern Baptist sending mission, sending organization said officially that it's okay for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues and go be a missionary. And at some point, somebody missed it. And can I tell you that the somebody that missed it probably was somebody that had a bad experience. Or maybe they prayed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they didn't speak in tongues and somebody told them, well, you, you, you just need to keep praying. Well, you, well, maybe God didn't give it to you at this time. Well, maybe, maybe you're just not ready. It's like telling the person who's sick that's praying for healing that they don't have enough faith. And it's not biblical. You see, because it is God who gives the Holy Spirit it is the person that simply asks and receives. And so I say all that to say that this is not really a denominational discussion. It's a biblical discussion. Now, of course, Pentecostal churches run the gambit of experience and style. You can come to Greater Life Church and have one experience. You can go down the road maybe 10, 15 minutes and have a completely different experience. Still a Pentecostal church and even still maybe an Assemblies of God church. But at the end of the day, however that style is, is independent of the doctrine of the place. 
Make sense? You can also go into a church that boldly will proclaim that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the unique book of Acts is not something that the church is supposed to be living with, functioning with today. That basically says the Holy Spirit was given to the apostles to get it started. Listen, I don't know if anybody have ever, ever used a lawnmower before that takes gas, but you put gas in it to run it, and then when it runs out of gas, you need to put more gas in it. So to me, the very thing that Jesus and the Father gave the church to make it start is the very thing that should keep it going, amen? That is the Holy Spirit. And let me remind us all that the Holy Spirit is not a thing or a what or an it. It is a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. In John chapter 1, verse 29 through 33, the next day John was, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Notice it doesn't say the Holy Spirit is a dove. Descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. There's a joke around there that says, what, what was John's last name? The Baptist. But we see here that the, the lines that separated Pentecostals and Baptists were really put to bed by the very first Baptist, John. Jesus is coming to baptize in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer. When we pray to receive the baptism, Lord Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. That's the prayer. And everything that we read about the Holy Spirit points to Jesus. There is not a competition. They are in concert with one another. So first of all, number one on your note sheets, as we look at this, the baptism. The baptism. My goal today is to share a message with you from years of experience, both in counseling and in ministry at an altar and even ministry. I was at 15 years, I served as a children's pastor and kids camps and, and evangelistic services and different things like that. I've seen it all, good and bad. So I'd like to put to bed some of the bad things, but I'd like to open your eyes to the good things that the Holy Spirit can do in and through your life. And, and I'd like for you to understand that the bad things is not necessarily me saying that person is bad, but the process and the practice that they had inherited or been taught themselves might be. The baptism, the word baptism means to immerse. 
to, get, to be all in, to be covered completely. If there is a gift from God, then I want it all over me. And the pastor, I, I, I don't understand. You, you're, you're saying that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I thought that the scriptures showed us that the, the Holy Spirit is given to us upon salvation, and he is. You see, Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, the Bible tells us that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It was in that moment that they became regenerated, born again. And yet the same Jesus, who does not change like shifting shadows, amen, also told them not that much longer later, hey, listen, guys, that ain't it. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. So you get the Holy Spirit born again, and there is something else you got to come and receive and be ready for, amen? And, and, and if there's no time constraints, you don't have to wait 90 days, you don't have to wait 90 minutes, you don't have to wait one minute. But the salvation is imperative. You cannot receive the Holy Spirit if you have not been made alive by the Spirit. There are not people running around using the gifts of the Spirit that have not yet been justified by the cross. The baptism to immerse. And just to help us see that this is a gift for all believers, not those that stumble upon a Pentecostal meeting from time to time. Mark chapter 16, 17, before the Spirit was even given, the Scripture says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages, in tongues. In the Gospel of Mark, as the writer is summing up the ministry, bringing the story and the narrative of the gospel of Jesus and his life here upon the earth, these miraculous signs are said to accompany those who believe, which is all believers. Miraculous, to me, a miracle speaks of something only God can do. In other words, I can't understand it with this mind. You see, that's the thing that that, that we run into so many times or that I've personally run into so many times is I have adults. And the reason why I said adults is because as a kid's pastor, I didn't experience this. I didn't have Johnny at 10 years old coming to kid's camp and say, I don't really get it. How can God, you know, I mean, really? It's like, hey, Johnny, this is what happens. All right, let's do it. <laughs> right? But, but it's all scriptural and it's all true, all true. Jesus said, in order to inherit the kingdom of God, you must become like children. And, and, and so basically what I'm saying to you is get out of your own way. You cannot understand a miracle. You can, can anybody understand the miracle of salvation? How blood that was spilled upon a cross 2,000 years ago somehow supernaturally washes my sin? To me, that's a lot of faith I gotta have to believe that one. And yet, wait a minute, I can speak in tongues and not understand it, but God can pray through me? I don't know. That's a stretch. <laughs> Cancer can disappear. I don't know. Come on. Church, let's get out of our own way. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to baptize in the Holy Spirit. John said it, and we still don't accept it sometimes. How about a baptism of fire? By its very nature, fire consumes. It burns. 
It makes something rigid moldable. <laughs> I'm telling you, the fire of the... Back in the day, man, these holy... These, these evangelists, man, they, they had more fun than I get to have. Because they could say stuff and people would just be hooting and hollering and it'd be all exciting. And, and even in our bumper video, that picture right there, guys, is actually this church in 19... 1933, I think. 3,000 people. You can't even really see it, but on the left side, top corner, you see that? Those are canes that were left at the altar because there were people that were healed. Do it again. Now I'm telling you, that's the Holy Spirit. That ain't Andrew. That ain't anybody. That is the Holy Spirit. Because if it were up to me, Lord, help us all. Yeah, thanks for that. You guys clap at the weirdest moment sometimes. <laughs> Lord knows it, yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, I gotta get back to it. Thank you, Jesus. Now, now, let me talk to you about it being for all believers. Acts chapter two says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house. They were sitting then. What looked, on, what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them this ability. Let me unpack that for just a minute. It says all the believers were meeting in one place. In 1 Corinthians, we read that Jesus appeared after the resurrection to over 500 people. We also read in Acts that there were about 120 present in the upper room. You know what that means? About 380 people didn't show up when Jesus told them to show up. I don't know. I know you're resurrected and everything. I know this is an amazing thing, but I got something on that day. I can't make it. No, I'm not. I'm not Jesus. I'm not an apostle. But I'm the pastor of greater life, and I'm telling you, you need to be here tonight. Don't be the 380 that missed it. Be the 120 that showed up and were never the same. It's not just a worship night. It really isn't. Man, I'm thinking back to the last one we had. Oh, the presence of God was so sweet. There's still people floating on it. Later we read in Acts chapter eight. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. Now I bring this passage of scripture in here because a lot of times you'll see the argument against tongues brought because tongues isn't explicitly present in this passage of scripture. Hey. They didn't speak in tongues. Who says? The, the scripture doesn't say, and they did not speak in tongues. But something happened. Something happened that Simon the sorcerer saw with his own eyes, heard with his own ears. Something physical happened for him to go, wait a minute, I want that. Now, the only biblical example that we have of a physical sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Contrary to top popular belief, slain in the spirit is not something that is in here. 
If you've been around Pentecostalism for just like a week, you probably know what that word means. It means when somebody prays for you, you just go, and we got blankets in case anybody ever feels the need. We got blankets to cover, modesty blankets to cover up the ladies and all that kind of stuff. Listen, I grew up a Pentecostal. I've been around a long time. I do know that when you're prayed for, sometimes when you have prayed for or even on your own, you are overwhelmed in such a way that you cannot stand. But again, I'm not going to preach a message that, called, that is called being slain in the spirit because it's not in here. It's just not. And what about the Roman soldiers? They weren't believers. They fell over as dead men, yes, because they saw an angel of the Lord. Oh, they fainted. Now, I say that to try to put to bed some of the weird things we may have heard or seen. Oh, what about the people that tremble? What about the people that just... Yeah, that's weird. And if I come up to somebody and they start gyrating like that, I'm, oh, <laughs> apparently God's already doing something here. I'm going to go down over here. I mean, I'm not mad at them. I also say, don't, don't criticize someone's worship. You do not know where they came from. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to throw stones. I'm not here to say they can't do that and can't do this. But I am here to tell you what's biblical is what I preach behind this pulpit. Now, we find this example in Scripture where they didn't speak in tongues, but something physical happened. I want you to put that in your mind for just a moment. I do believe that that physical sign was tongues because it was present in the five other examples of people being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You, what, what was not present is the flames on people's heads. The fire marshal would be upset with that. What was not present is the mighty rushing windstorm. It's sound of a mighty rushing windstorm. <laughs> I've, I've been in a Pentecostal meeting one time as a teenager, and, and, and the, the evangelist said, Lord, send your wind. And, and I'm standing there at the back, because as I typically did uh, as a PK, I'm standing there at the back, and he send your wind, rushing wind, bring the wind. And then I heard, I felt a wind on my back. <gasps> And the duct was right there. <laughs> if I didn't know anybody, I thought, man, he hit it, man. He's on it. <laughs> but you don't see that. Now you do see a room that was shaken. You see the prison cells that were broken open by an earthquake. You see these other examples of a physical sign, but the only one you see over and over again is tongues. Now don't get hung up on it. Just accept the scriptures teach it. Acts chapter 10. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they had heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. It was the indicator that they had been saved that God had accepted this first group of Gentiles into the fold. Following that story and that sign, they said, hey, let's baptize them in water, let's fully assimilate them, I'm gonna go back to the Jerusalem council and tell, hey guys, Gentiles are in because they were speaking in tongues. Really? 
Well, it's good enough for God, it's good enough for us. Understand that, that it wasn't necessarily the tongues was not a gift or something that indicated they were saved. It was a gift that indicated they had been filled with the Holy Spirit in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were already believers because they invited Peter to come preach. Don't confuse the two. Also in Acts chapter 19, we see a great example. While Apollos, who was a great teacher, was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Several what? Believers. believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them, no. They replied, wait a minute. Several believers who said no, and it made it into scripture. See that? We haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. They replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe that one would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Friends, it's black and white in the book that is timeless and it doesn't change. The Word of God. Now, here's the thing. I just read you two examples. If I could be so bold. Philip was an evangelist, Acts chapter 8. Apollos was a great teacher, Acts chapter 19. Both saw miracles, signs, wonders, People were coming to Christ and be, becoming believers upon the Lord Jesus. They were, they were being saved. There was churches being established. Great works of ministry under Philip and under Apollos. But in both cases, those ministries were not what we would call spirit-filled. Why? Because in Acts chapter 8, Peter and John showed up, laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. In Acts chapter 19, Paul shows up, lay hands on them, they receive the Holy Spirit, spoken tongues. So what you need to hear from my heart is there are many, many wonderful ministers of the gospel and churches and movements out there that are doing great things for God, yet are not spirit-filled in the way that the scriptures show us regarding the baptism. Which means I'm not here to throw stones. I'm here to tell you what we believe. And what we believe is the power of the Holy Spirit is for the church today. And if it's for the church today, then we're going to operate in it as best as we can. Number two, the evidence. We've talked about this already some. Speaking in tongues. Here's the one. Here's the one that makes people go, whoa, wait a second. Are you saying... The technical term is glossolalia, if you want to get fancy. Are you saying that somehow God can pray through me in tongues? Yes. And the moment that we put God back in that box that says what he did in Acts he can't do today, the moment that we miss it completely. 
And if it was good enough for the apostles and good enough for that first group of Gentiles, then it's good enough for this Gentile. But here's the hang-up. So many people have this unrealistic expectation of what it might look like. To give you an example, at the soaking, I'm going to the soaking, altars are open. I come to the altar, and then somebody prays with me. And I, I ask to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then I go. And sometimes that poor little altar worker will say, yeah, just, just pray in tongues, just, just open your mouth. That's good. Just, just, just use your words. Words. Um, thank you, Jesus. Listen. On your note sheet, write and fill in, enabled but not forced. Enabled but not forced. Let me give you the official assemblies of God's stance. The Simmons of God believes that the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Help me out. What does initial mean? First, deep. What does physical mean? Physical. So initial, first. Physical, physical. In other words, it can be seen, heard. It's, it's there. You can measure it, right? Initial, first. The first time you speak in tongues is the first time you speak in tongues. Amen. You with me? And when you speak in tongues, guess what? It's physical. Are you with me? Now, you pray to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My mother, my mother, God bless her. She received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at a Wesleyan camp meeting. My father pulled her aside to the far reaches of the altar. I'm gonna pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Even though this is a Wesleyan camp meeting, we gonna pray right. She prayed for her. He, I mean, he prayed for her and she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because she felt something amazing, something spiritually happened and she could only say the name Jesus. She did not speak in tongues at that moment. Now, it was not the altar workers, my father's responsibility to say, yeah, you got it. Who has the authority to say that? And she, she went home kind of disheartened. I'm supposed to speak in tongues. And I'm not doing it. I could just say Jesus. A week later, in her bed, as she continued to seek God and pray, the tongues came like a flood. Because it was initial, and it was physical, and it removed any doubt. I'm gonna tell you, there are so many people, my heart breaks, there are so many people that come to an altar that pray with someone. I wanna receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. And they don't speak in tongues and they walk out feeling like God doesn't love them enough. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We ask, God gives. And when we speak in tongues, it becomes the first time we did and it becomes a physical sign to us and sometimes to others. Remember that Paul says that tongues is a sign to the unbeliever, as it was to Simon in Acts chapter eight. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Let me use an illustration. You're enabled to speak in tongues, not forced. In my mind, I say, I'm gonna walk from here over to here. 
And now I say, I shall walk back. I am walking. For the sake of this illustration, I'm going to say, I am going to run from here to over there. I ran, right? Now, in the way that some people think the tongues are, the Holy Spirit is just supposed to, and you, you're really not involved in the process, which means that I'm just kind of uh, being drug over here. I'm not having anything to do with it, right? It ain't like that. You are enabled to speak in tongues, but it is you who say, I am speaking in tongues. And then the Holy Spirit takes over and you start walking in something, man. It's easy. And we've trained our altar workers not to be weird. Some, it took a while. I always kind of grew up in a Pentecostal church and an evangelist would come in and we'd come to the altar. And man, when they would do this, push my head back. I would, I would push them like that. Would you push, push me? Just let it go, brother. I'm, no. You let me go. God does not need our help to smack somebody. He can do it by the power of the Spirit all on his own. Amen? Now, before you think I'm talking smack about somebody and I'm mad at some preacher that you met sometime, stop it. I'm just telling you how we do it. There is a gentleness but the, because the power comes from the Spirit, not from the person who's praying. Because if it's coming from the person who's praying, then you're already behind. All of us are filled with the same spirit. It is the one that raised Christ from the dead. It dwells in me and it dwells in you, amen? And we can pray in authority. We pray, we lead you in a little thing, a little prayer, because we want you to understand what you're praying for. And there was a lady that was sitting in my office that was so confused at our last soaking. She received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She was overwhelmed. It was amazing. Waited a couple weeks to come and talk to me. Pastor, I don't understand, I didn't speak in tongues. As we're sitting there talking about it, and I'm explaining it like I am today, she began to kind of tremble. Not weird tremble, but just kind of like I tell, man, she's really experiencing something in the presence of God right now. And I said, Tammy, I'm gonna pray for you. I prayed, and I said, now speak in tongues. She looked at me kind of weird, and then spoke in tongues. I said, I'm gonna leave you to it. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit was there, moving in her life. I had to come back 30 minutes later because it was Wednesday night, Bible study. I had to get ready. I said, can you move to the prayer room because I'm going (laughs) to... She's just still in there speaking in tongues, walking around and just praising God, crying. Used all my Kleenex, but God was doing something great. (laughs) I'm telling you, we got to get out of our own way. It was that simple. Speak in tongues. Really? I'm not going to tell you what to say. I'm not going to coach you. Say, dit, 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 dit. Uh-uh. No. We can't get involved. It is the Holy Spirit that enables but doesn't force. Amen? Second thing I want you to see, that you are equipped, but it is not automatic. You're equipped, but it is not automatic. One of the other things that the church misses is that Jude 1.20 says, we build our, ourselves up in faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, 18 says to pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. When you come to an altar, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, don't walk out of there and never do it again. That is a gift. 
Keep walking and using that gift for the sake of your own life and your own discernment and your own discipleship. God can use that gift. If the Holy Spirit can pray through you, I can guarantee he is not praying for a new car. At least for you. I believe that the prayers of the Holy Spirit are much more effective than anything I want to say. Because sometimes when I pray, I, I, I start preaching a little bit. Sometimes when I pray, Lord, I pray you judge this person, bring, bring fire down upon them. But when I pray the Holy Spirit, he's probably praying more for mercy in that person's life. Equipped but not automatic. Operating in the gifts. Continuing on, operating in the gifts. When you operate in the gifts, you must have faith for the first time. Faith for the first time. Last week, I had a young man come up to me and share with me a vision that he had. And he said, when you said God will show you things, you will see things in the spirit you've never seen before, he shared with me a vision. And on that day, it was what I needed to hear. It encouraged me. And I thanked him for being obedient. He had never done it before, but it took faith to go and tell the pastor something. Now, before you think you're going to come tell the pastor something, I do have discernment. So I'm saying, ah, well, pastor, I believe you should leave this place. <laughs> I feel like not. <laughs> uh, when I pray for you, I'll pray in the spirit. So pray mercy upon you. No, just kidding. Faith for the first time. What that looks like is I feel like, pastor, I feel like I was supposed to say something or do something or pray for somebody. Step out in faith. Well, what if I fall flat on my face? Well, maybe God's bringing some humility in your life so he can use you. Because if you get it right the first time, every time, something called pride creeps in. And can I tell you that the God I serve doesn't allow that thing to get a hold as long as we're in submission to the Holy Spirit. Faith for the first time. Secondly, it's discernment for future times. You walk in that gift, then you can walk in that gift again and you have discernment. Discernment looks like this. If there's not a gap in the worship while we're up here singing, then you don't have a message in tongues. Don't, don't give it. But the Holy Spirit makes room for the gifts. I believe. If you've been around greater life long enough, you've seen the room make, it's like weird. Like there's this really supernatural pause and, and then something happens. Someone gives a word, someone gives a, a, a tongues and it's interpreted, which is all scriptural and all biblical. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. In Hebrews 5, he rebukes the believers. He's like, guys, it's time to grow up. You're still eating spiritual milk. You need spiritual food. At some point, we grow in our giftedness. Listen, if we are not closer to Jesus this week than we were last week, then we're doing something wrong. We're allowing the enemy to continue to have that stronghold in our life, and we're allowing sin to overwhelm our conviction to follow the Lord Jesus. Number three, the reason. The reason. Why the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What does it have to do with me? First of all, it's for the believer. The believer needs it. We need it. 
It's our opportunity. In Ephesians 6, it lists the armor of God. And then it says, now pray in the spirit on all occasions at all times. The armor is not for you to sit on the lazy boy, spiritually speaking. It's for you to do something. Did you know in the book of Acts that there is very few instances, if you look at the whole thing, of miracles happening within a church service? There's a couple of occasions, but primarily, most of the time, the miracles happen in the streets. What if, in between Sundays, people were getting saved and set free and healed by y'all, by the power of God in and through y'all? Guess what? It's God's design. It's God's design. The next person somebody tells you, yeah, I've got this pain in my, in, in, in my arm or in my back or my head won't stop hurting, then, then doggone it, pray for healing. Oh, that's too bad. You want some Advil? <laughs> Let's step out there in faith and allow the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the reason. That's, it's for the believer. It's for the body. We, lead in, we read in Corinthians 12 and 14, how the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to build the body up in this setting. And it's for the battle. It's for the battle. Make no mistake, friends, we are in a spiritual battle every single day. And why in the world would we not want to have the power for the battle? I use this illustration, I've used this illustration for, for many years. And I think everybody will understand it. Which, by the way, I was not allowed to watch Star Wars growing up because it had bad stuff in it. But in Star Wars, you have the Jedi. I found a way around it. You have the Jedi, right? The Jedi is a warrior. It's, it's a warrior. He, he, this, this cat can fight. But you see those sequences and those battle scenes, that one Jedi versus so many is not much without what? The lightsaber. You bring the lightsaber in and they can take on hundreds at a time, right? The Christian walk in and of itself, we have the power that comes from God. But when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we move from being a Jedi that doesn't have his weapon to fully equipped to fight the battle. And now, we got the devil running scared. And I need, that, I need that to be a mental shift in our hearts and lives today, friends, is instead of us throwing our hands up when we're under attack, let's pick up our sword of the what? Spirit. <laughs> Always sharp. Double-edged. You know what a double-edged sword is? I'm not a good sword fighter. I don't know how I do, but I can do this. <laughs> and there's only one kind of sword that works in that kind of battle, a double-edged one. <laughs> you know, we're fighting. God's called you to keep swinging and swinging and swinging until the battle has been won. Let's stop walking around defeated. Stop walking around like we don't have power that comes from on high. And I tell you where it starts is you say, Father, I need an 
extra measure. Jesus, I need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, now would be a perfect time to open the altars, but I'm not doing it. Tonight, get here. And I don't know why God's designed this thing to be where it is, but I'll put it this way. Because there's something about making room and taking an extra step. I, I grew up going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and every time in between. Something about you saying it means enough to me to get out of my house again and to show up and let the Holy Spirit fill you, change you, transform you. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit 55 years ago. It's time for a refill. Amen? Seriously. It's time for a refreshing. Tonight we have two testimonies on schedule. Testimonies of restoration that's gonna just rock your world. And I can't wait. And we're gonna pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in everyone's life that wants to receive it. It's gonna be awesome. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, have your way today. May we be hungry for the move of God. May you use us today and this day and every day to push back against the kingdom of darkness. Equip the saints today, Lord. And God, even tonight is a few hours away. Bring us back hungry for more, more than we've ever experienced. We trust you with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Hopefully see you tonight.